Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Good morning, church. It's December. So I sort of feel like we can start to talk about Christmas. Uh, we don't want the shopping centres to, to, to get ahead of us. So we're going to hop into Christmas mode today. And I was talking to someone this morning and Christmas should be something, we, can, we should be singing carols in July, I reckon. We should be singing carols every week because it's the gospel message and how great is it to walk around the shops and hear joy to the world, our King has come. O come all ye faithful, O come let us adore him. Filling our shopping centres and, and as Christians as light in the dark world, we can be affirming that and praying wherever we go and we believe that as we touch the spirit world, people's lives and people's hearts are touched as we're guided uh, by the Holy Spirit. Hark the Herald is the best song ever written and I can talk, I can, I can spend an hour convincing you um, but, but I'm bypassing it for this year, maybe, maybe next week, maybe I'll put a podcast out there and... So I want to preach this morning out of Luke chapter 2. I want to go to the end of the Christmas narrative. And when you look in the other Gospels, Matthew has um, the kings and Matthew has the angel visiting Joseph and a few other things. But really to look at the Christmas narrative, the first two chapters of Luke carry it all the way through from before Jesus was born, you know, as the angel comes and announces to Mary that uh, you are going to carry the Holy One, you are going to carry uh, God Himself, right through to, to 40 days after uh, Jesus is born. And then from then on, we don't know anything about Jesus for 30 years. There, there's a little incident when He's 12, but for 30 years we don't know anything other than He's growing in stature and He's growing in wisdom and He's growing in favour with God and man. So the Christmas narrative there for the first two uh, two chapters of Luke, are, are, are really important because what they do is declare uh, straight, in a straightforward fashion and declare multiple times that this baby who has just been born is the Messiah. This baby who has just been born is the promised Saviour. This baby who has just been born is your salvation, my salvation, the salvation of the whole world. And so clumped around that little Christmas narrative, there's a group of people, uh, I call them the proclaimers. Not working, that's all right, we'll, we'll try it again. I call them the proclaimers. I'm on my way from misery. No, I, oh here we go. Yeah, we can clap along. There we go. Some people are showing their age. That worked in rehearsal. Anyway. It's really important that we proclaim, that we declare, that we don't just believe in our heart, but we confess with, with our mouth. And so these proclaimers, they're a group of people clumped around Christ, the Christmas narrative and they encountered Jesus as a baby. And led by the Holy Spirit, they are declaring that here is the salvation, here is the Saviour, here is the Messiah. And so I want to, to, to look into this because we've got to be really careful that we don't turn Christmas into 
a Christmas holiday. That's what Christmas is about. Or Christmas food. Or we turn our little Christmas season into uh, family time. Or even sport. And we forget that at the centre of it all, before it all, is something momentous and incredible, which is God's salvation plan takes a huge step forward. Nothing has happened for 500 years. One of my favourite pages in the Bible is this, is this page. There we are. Yeah, there we are. It's that page there. I'll put it forward there. It's that little page there. Because on this side is the Old Testament. And then all of a sudden, on this side, all of a sudden, this is filled with promises of our Saviour. Promises of our Messiah, promises of God's salvation plan coming to pass, and then we turn the page, and he's here. Yeah. Something momentous happens. And there's a 500-year gap between the last revelation from the Old Testament and when you know Jesus is born. And so it's a really, really special and momentous occasion. God's salvation plan takes a massive leap forward. So for us, as we come into Christmas... It's really important that we pause, put the holiday, put the family food, put the sport, put the whatever else is going on, the Christmas trees and the presents to one side and remember and focus and go, here is the Messiah, here is the Saviour. And so we look through this Christmas narrative and there's a number of proclaimers. There's Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. There's Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. There's John the Baptist himself who was only a little baby, but when Mary comes into the room, he leaps in the womb because he's in the presence of the Messiah. He's in the presence of the Saviour. There's Mary and Joseph, and there's two right... There's all the angels, choir of angels, and then right at the end, there's two prophets called Simeon and Anna. There's Mary and Joseph. Now, God says you only need three witnesses for something to be true in the Old Testament. And here we have about seven, eight, and if we include the heavenly host with the angels, we've got countless numbers, all declaring that this baby that is born in the manger, that is carried by Mary in her arms, is the promised Saviour and the promised Messiah. And so they make these declarations, and it's not just for them. It's for our benefit. As we look and focus and go, what is God's salvation plan about? And right at the centre there, we find Jesus. So let's pick up at Luke 2, chapter 21. Sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And this is the first of the proclaimers I want to have a look at this morning. We can't fit them all in. But Mary and Joseph, on the eighth day after Jesus was born, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So Mary and Joseph have this special child, um, I'm, they, they understand he's the Holy One. They understand the angel has come and said he's going to be Jesus. He is going to be, he's going to save the world from their sins. But I'm not sure they really have their head around the whole thing. So what do they do? They do the thing which they know to do, which is to be obedient to the law of Moses. They're declared righteous. They're declared obedient. So they're doing the right thing, if you like. It's for us. Same for us. No matter what we're going through, whether it's a challenge this or a challenge that, one of the things we can do is just do the thing which God has called us to do and made so plain for us. We remain in praise, we remain in worship, we remain in faith, we remain in community 
our connect group, church on a Sunday, and that strengthens us and sees us through. Why? Don't really know why Mary and Joseph were chosen. They they didn't deserve it for sure. The sinners no different to us. They were obedient and they were righteous. And if you're going to trust the Saviour of the world into someone's hands, you want them to be obedient to what you've told them to do. And in Matthew 1, chapter 20, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, this is the angel appearing today to Joseph. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And as we go through this, you'll see the Holy Spirit's hands are all over the whole story. What does the angel say? What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he declared, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, for we have now seen your salvation. Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she declares, Mary, what is it that the mother of our Lord should come and visit me? The mother of our Lord. And Simeon, we're going to see, and Anna, they're all led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is all over this, making it clear what is going on. And so they bring Jesus to the temple for something very simple, something very quick that we can read over, but something very significant. They give him the name Jesus, which means God saves. There's a declaration for each one of us to have in our hearts this Christmas. What is Christmas about? God's salvation plan for each one of us takes a huge step forward. And when you come to name your children in those days, you always connected them to the Father. There was some family thing going on. So really, Jesus should have been named Joseph or Jacob, which was Joseph's father, or somewhere back. But they're given the name Jesus because that's what the angel told them to do, and they're obedient. God's name is, I am the God of salvation, in Deuteronomy, six, sorry, 1 Chronicles 16.35. I am the God of salvation. So when they come to name Jesus, which means God saves, they are connecting that. They are connecting it to his real father, to his heavenly father. Joseph is not his father. Jesus has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. So by following through and naming their son Jesus, that is their declaration. This baby is no ordinary baby. This baby is the Holy One of God, given for each one of us as God's salvation purpose takes place. And then we come to verse 22. So when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. This is about 40 days later. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So again, they're being righteous, they're being holy according to the law of Moses and being obedient. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. And I think of all the people around the birth of Jesus, he's probably the one who has the best understanding of what it's all about, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He was righteous and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the, the appearing of the Saviour, 
And the Holy Spirit was on him. There we go again, Holy Spirit. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Here we go again, declaration, hello. Jesus is not just a baby. He is the Messiah. He is your salvation. He is your eternal life. He is the forgiveness of your sins. He is the Redeemer. And so moved by the Spirit, Holy Spirit again, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That's a declaration not just for the people listening, that's a declaration for us here this morning. For you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. This is no slouch of a man. This is a man described as holy. He's sanctified. He's set himself apart. He's lived and believed. He's prayed for the hope that has been promised. He's reaching back over 500 years and into the, 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 the promises of God right through the Old Testament. And he believes and he knows and he's been gifted by the Holy Spirit with a revelation that he will not die until he sees the Messiah. So imagine the hope in his heart. And this day, he's led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, how, how, how else will he find this insignificant little couple in the throng around the temple? And not unlike John the Baptist who sensed he was in the presence of the Messiah, something is leading Simeon. He knows that the Messiah, the promised one, something special or someone special is in, is in, is in the building. And so this righteous, faith-filled man takes the baby in his arms and what a special moment for him. And he says, now I can die. For you have kept your promise and I have seen the salvation. Of our Lord he looks at the baby and sees the face the physical face of God and what's his response he goes into a prayer and a declaration of praise in fact when you read through those first two chapters it's pretty much the response of all the proclaimers Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit praised God and declared Lord I, I, I declare your greatness because you have raised up a horn of salvation for your people Elizabeth Holy Spirit upon her says what is it that you have blessed me with your presence Mary that you are carrying the Holy One of God Joseph and Mary obedient and now Simeon raises his voices declares you have promised Lord that your salvation has appeared this is a salvation you have prepared in the sight of all nations and it's a light for the Gentiles and it's a glory for your people Israel and it says that Mary and Joseph were amazed they were marvelled, as if they couldn't have been marvelled any more than what they have been. A baby conceived without them having sex, angelic choirs filling the skies, shepherds appearing from nowhere, the kings are going to come along soon. Joseph gets an angel visitation, Mary gets an angel, this is a special baby. So why are they marvelling any more at what's happening? This is the first occasion, as you read through it, that someone from outside the family has gone... Here is the salvation of our Lord. Someone from outside the family, someone from the public 
is saying, here is the Messiah. Your baby is the special one that has been promised. And he opens their eyes to something a lot bigger. It's not just the salvation of Jerusalem. It's not just the salvation of Israel, but it's the salvation of all the Gentiles. He's for the salvation for all people, everywhere, for all time. And so Simeon blesses them, verse verse 34. Simeon blesses them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. This is where we start to see Simeon's insight. Of all the people around this Christmas story, he seems to understand best what's at stake here. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. That's a bit cheery at Christmas, isn't it? So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword, Mary, is going to pierce your own soul too. The rise and fall of many, a sign to be opposed, The hearts of the people are going to be revealed and your heart is going to be pierced. It's difficult things to hear when you've got your nice little baby there, you know, what's going to happen. But she needed to hear it from a man of God, from a prophet, so that when things started to go that way, she doesn't start to go, the plan is coming apart, the plan is coming awry. And if you've had a word from God, if you've had a word from someone and you're holding on to that, be encouraged. Mary carried this word in her heart, says she meditated and contemplated on it through her life. And that's what kept her going, that's what kept her faith. So for all of us with a word, with all of us with a promise, we keep that and we hold that in our hearts. So that when things look like they're going awry, we remember that God has spoken and we remember that the prophet has given a word that lives. And so Jesus, a baby but the Lamb of God, sent as a sacrifice and that's the destiny that he had and the destiny that was before him to call the rise and fall to cause the rise and fall of many in israel simeon prophesies he's the fulcrum we sing a carol what is it what child is this and and how you answer that question determines how your life is going to go is this baby is jesus the promised messiah Is he the salvation of us or is he not? And how you answer that determines whether you rise or whether you fall. How you answer that reveals what's in your heart. What's Simeon declaring? He is Jesus. This baby is going to cause the rising of many, but he's going to cause the falling of many, determined on how we answer that question (coughs) with what we believe in our heart. John 1, 11 to 13. This is what it means to rise. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, here we go, we're rising. He's going to call the, cause the rising of many. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, sons of God, daughters of God, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Well, that's rising. Being born again, being born of God, being called a son of God, a daughter of God, and all the inheritance that comes from that. John 3, 16, 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. That's called rising. 
What's Simeon's prophecy? This baby is going to call the rising of many. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, here's the falling, stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And what are these proclaimers busy telling us? This is the Messiah. This is the saviour of the world. Put your trust in him, put your faith in him, open your heart to him and you will be lifted up and you will rise. If not, you will fall. Putting it straight forward. A sign to be opposed. And we know that as Jesus grew, he was opposed. Those last couple of years of his ministry, rejected, 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 opposed, opposed, opposed and eventually executed. And for poor Mary, living through that, her heart must have, of all the people involved in the life of Jesus, Mary seeing that suffering would have been pierced the most out of all people. And she recalls the words of Simeon, knowing that this is part of God's plan and God's purpose. And three days later, she rejoiced as Jesus was raised from the dead. So Simeon gives that prophecy, but then comes the third one. Verse 36, there was also a prophet. Here's the last proclaimer. God can't keep doing proclaimers, right? Can't keep coming along and saying, he's the Messiah, he's the Messiah. He's, can't, so we stop at Anna, you know, in terms of the, what's happening at the Christmas. Another righteous person, another holy person, another devout person, another follower of God. There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day fasting and praying. She's not just in the temple, she's worshipping and fasting for over 80 years or whatever it is. And so coming up, if anyone's going to know God and the Holy Spirit, it's going to be this person. So coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. He's a saviour, he's a messiah, he's a redeemer, he's the comforter, he's the consoler, he's the king. Come down from heaven, being clothed in flesh to live a life of sacrifice for us what does it mean salvation what does it mean to have a savior what does it mean to have a redeemer why are these words so important because it clearly lets us know where we stand what does it mean to salvage something it means to save something from destruction and so when we have a savior when god declares here is your salvation what's he saying you are in distress you need rescuing. You are bound for destruction. But I am sending a saviour. I am sending a salvation. What is salvation? A rescuing, a restoring. You ever seen something salvaged? It goes from being totally worthless and useless to being something which is precious and something which is so strong and purposeful. And the love that goes into a salvation, the love that goes into a restoration, You've seen people work with that love and with that purpose. Salvation is probably the overriding theme in the Bible. It's God's response to our sin. What's God's intention always for each one of us is to, to be so close to us, to be at one with us, to be at unity with us. 
Often when you read the Bible, what does it say? God's voice is like a whisper. Why do you whisper to someone? Because you're very close to them. You're not far away. You know, sometimes God has to shout to, to get our attention. But his heart has always to be in relationship with us. And we saw that in the Garden of Eden right from the start with Adam and Eve. What sort of a life did they have? A life of perfect unity with God, at one with creation. No sickness, no sin, no death, and in close association with God. Why is it so sad? Because that relationship was broken when they decided to reject and disobey God. Yeah, God, we're going to listen to the snake. Actually, we want what you've got. We're going to decide for us what we want. We don't trust you. And that broke that relationship asunder. And God's plan was always to restore that, to salvage that. What happened when the sin entered the world? Separation and alienation from God. And we became, the Bible says, his enemies. In the New Testament, it describes us, you were once his enemies, but now you are at peace with God. That's the salvation work of Jesus. You were once enemies, now you're the friend of God. You were once enemies, now you're the son and the daughter of God because of this Messiah, because of this Saviour who was born. We became enemies of God, subject to sickness, death, pain, war, conflict, anxiety. The list goes on. It really was paradise lost. But God's love for us was so large that he couldn't leave us in a life abandoned with no hope couldn't leave us in a place where our relationship with him was severed forever and so he made a promise he said in plan our salvation he said in plan our redemption there's another word the bible uses consolation which means comfort and these three things he promised for our salvation a savior for our redemption a redeemer and for our consolation a comforter jesus is all three of those What are these people at Christmas letting us know? That the salvation of us is here. The Redeemer is here. The Comforter is here. And it has a name. His name is Jesus Christ, this little baby I am holding. God didn't promise us, this is how I say it anyway, God didn't promise us hope and joy and peace and everything that goes with those three. He promised us a saviour through whom would come hope and joy and peace and part of the struggle we have in this culture is so many people going love going after love and joy and peace wherever they might find it and they're not going to find the love and the joy and the peace which is lasting you can only go through jesus god's promised redeemer god's promised comforter god's promised savior and only through him can we be restored and close to god that was god's promise in isaiah 9 we can look back on it now and see it was all about a child. Isaiah 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. For the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is what our Luke chapter 1 and 2 proclaimers were believing and hoping for. And for us at Christmas, we believe and we hope for that, although we know it's a reality and we bring it in. For you've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. For they rejoice before you 
as people rejoice at the harvest. That's the level of rejoicing. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. As football players rejoice when they win the premiership. Let's bring it forward. For to us, a child is born. There's God's salvation plan. A child. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the baby these people are looking at. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And what will our Saviour do? What will our Redeemer do? He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. He will establish it. He will uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Amen. What a great declaration of who our Saviour and who our Messiah is. And so on Christmas night, what happens? The angels fill the sky and make that declaration. Hark, the herald. Hark. Yeah. No, no, I'll stop. Actually, got the keys, thanks. Yeah. No, hark, stop. Stop what you're doing. The herald angels are singing. They're special angels. They're angels who have been sent forth to herald the birth of your Saviour. They're herald angels who have been sent forward to declare you are redeemed. They're herald angels sent forward to fill the sky to declare your comforter has come. Rejoice as those who bring in the harvest. Rejoice as those who fight a battle and are victorious. Rejoice as those who have been in darkness but a light has come. Emmanuel, God is with us. Hark, listen. Try and grab hold of what's going on here. One of the three most significant events in history, along with the crucifixion and the resurrection. But it's the first bookend of Jesus' great love for us. The other bookend is his sacrifice on the cross. The first book in of his amazing love for us is that he would step off the throne of heaven. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. Philippians says he was equal with God but did not consider that something worth pursuing. Instead, what he pursued was a love for the Father who didn't want us left on a path of destruction and a love for us because he didn't want us separated from the Father didn't want us on a path of destruction. So he humbled himself and took on the appearance of a baby. Helpless, can't speak. And if God calls us to trust him, it's not before he's entrusted us with his very son. And so Jesus takes on the form of flesh. Why? Because he loves us. But he makes possible now all the prophecies to be fulfilled, to honour God and to make sure that his faithfulness is seen. That he's tempted in every way as we are and he's challenged in every way as we are so that when we cry out and when we pray, he understands and he knows. He identifies with every struggle that we have. He's our saviour. He's our comforter. 
He's our Redeemer. And by being born, He makes possible the perfect sacrifice that was needed. That our two great enemies, sin and death, would be defeated. Without the birth of Jesus, we have no cross. Without the birth of Jesus, we have no miracles. Without the birth of Jesus, we don't have the Father revealed to each one of us. And so here at Christmas, let us open our hearts and as the Holy Spirit was upon those proclaimers, that they could declare that truth from deep within them. Let's invite the Holy Spirit even now as we close our eyes. To be the revealer that he is for each one of us. Holy Spirit, this Christmas time, as you came upon those people we read about, so we open our heart now and we invite you in Holy Spirit that in this season that we celebrate as Christmas, that the truth of God's love expressed in the birth of Jesus we have that truth quickened to us. We have that grace quickened to us. We have that love quickened to us. Overflowing, Lord, we pray that through us you might touch the lives of many. We thank you for your word, Lord, and we receive it this morning. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.